Daily DVR Dives into Mindhunter is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. Look good when you step out in the morning. Elevate your style. Go to Cufflinks.com slash DVR today and save 20% on your order. No minimum. Use code DVR20. That's all you got to do. Use code DVR20 today and save 20% off your order. If you've got an event coming up, Go to cufflinks.com and they'll help you out. They've even got a blog over there that details how to get prepared for these big events and order everything for everyone. You know, that can be a hassle. Let cufflinks.com help you do that. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Welcome back to Daily DVR Does Mindhunter. My name is Axel. My co-host is Heath. And you can find out more about us at DVRpodcast.com. Also consider supporting us and becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash DVR. And you can send your feedback to DVRpodcast at gmail.com. Today we'll be talking about Mindhunter Season 1, Episode 2. All right, Solo, we're on Episode 2. Are you hunting the mind? How you feeling? You know, I, I you know I, I watched Dog Day Afternoon 52 times. I'm ready. Oh, wait, that's hostage negotiation. Oh, I've been preparing wrong. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to profile. I'm ready to get into this. All right, baby. Yes, so we left off last episode with Tench and Holden driving away from their first ever um, kind of FBI police visit visiting police offices across the country, teaching them new techniques, as well as learning from them. They were offered, kind of offered a case. They needed, a cop needed help. They had to unfortunately turn him down, but that sets the tones for what comes next in episode two. As we pick up in episode two, we have our first cold open of the season with our friend who I think it's fair for me to say who this is at this point, because it was obvious to me right off the bat who it was. I think it's obvious to most people watching. Was it obvious to you solo who in fact we are watching in this cold open when a man simply comes to another man and says, I need more I need more of this rope. And he says, well, you need to have the spindle. (laughs) Yes, he did. That's about it. That's (laughs) That's like the whole scene. That's about it. But the whole Wichita, Kansas thing, um, the mustache, Mm -hmm. I I picked it up, but I don't know if normal people would, like my wife didn't when I rewatched with her and I told her who it was. Um, So... I think we can just say, okay, because we're, we're <laughs> skating around. This is not any, I don't think this is a spoiler. And I think it actually knowing who this person is actually, it makes you understand the show better and understand the opens. This is obviously the BTK killer, bind, torture, kill, uh, who is based in and around Wichita, which is where our friend Mike is from, by the way. Oh. Um, and we get these throughout the season. And this is just the first of what we get. And I found these to be just incredibly cool because it's like as Tench and Holden are out discovering this world 
unbeknownst to them, BTK is starting to do what he's going to do. Yeah. And, 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 and it's done in such a, I know Breaking Bad kind of did something like this in one of their seasons where they showed you snippets. Yes, um, yeah. And uh, I, I find that awesome because it's you know not about this episode. It's just the cold open, but it gets your mind thinking and how this world is expanding in 1977. And it just adds to that, oh, what's going to happen? So uh, it was very interesting because uh, it has nothing to do with, you know, after the credits and what this whole episode's about. Um, but in a way it does, but <laughs> yeah, as we'll get yeah. to it, but I, I, I like that. I like that foreshadowing of BTK, but it's cool too, because it says to us in the audience, what they're doing is right. You know, like they are, they are doing something that's important, tension holding and not, they're not on a wild goose chase if they were able to see these little behaviors, maybe they would have been able to stop this or maybe yeah. they would have been able to help. Yeah. Um, Cause it's, and I think that's, what's cool about it. Yeah, actually it, it, it is. And it, it's amazing when, you know, I was thinking about, you know, after we did the first uh, pod on the first episode and you start thinking about things, it's like, it's amazing that it took to 1977 to really, gain the momentum of profiling and yeah. this whole behavioral science, even though they had a department, it just was taboo in a sense. Um, and, 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 and you wonder, um, I mean, granted, I don't think we really had many serial killers. I mean, H.H. H. Holmes was the first one in America, Ed Gein, um, you know, Zodiac. But I guess, you know, it, it, it took you know, a while for this to start to gain legs, which is interesting. That's why I just love seeing the birth of it, uh, even though yeah. it seems late. But maybe, you know, with the times, maybe it was the right time. Um, you know, things well, happen for a reason. Yeah, that's the essential question, right? Like, are there thousands of unknown serial killers throughout history in all societies and all times or is this a modern convention uh, that results from our society um, right. and the, the way we process things? And that's the ultimate question um, that they're, they're not they, – they're really more concentrated on it being the society at this point, you know, and why right. this is happening now. Um, and I think that question may come a little bit later. But we – Right when we get back from the opening credits, Bill and Holden are on their way to Santa Cruz via San Francisco, and Holden is bugging Bill the whole time. Let's go interview Charles Manson. Let's go talk to Charles Manson. Yeah. And this is the first indication we get that Holden is put is really interested in not only um, working cases learning from cops and teaching cops, but he's interested in interviewing sequence or, or interesting killers so they can delve into their minds. And it, um, th this is something that Tench is 
right off the bat is like, I don't know about what, what are you talking about? You know, cause this isn't <laughs> something they've done yet. Yeah. And what, I mean, what a great idea because when you think about it, I mean, they're the FBI, they have these incarcerated for life. Some of these, you know, killers and stuff, and they're just wasting away there um, as they should. But why not try to get as much information as you can from them? And it just, you know, when you think about it now, you're like, oh, yeah, you know. But, like, then it's like, wow. You know, some people are like, nah, I just don't want to talk to a scumbag like that. Let him rot in hell. But Holden mm-hmm. is just like, there's information there we could get. And it does take a different mind, not necessarily a beautiful mind, but a different mind <laughs> to come up with, uh, you know, this idea. Yeah, it's really interesting. And this is not, this is something that Holden comes up with. Tench does not say that they should start interviewing killers. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something that Holden invents out of his own imagination because it's just a part of his process of covering all the bases. Right. You know, he when he is giddy towards Tench and he's like, we should interview man. And Tench is like, kind of like, slow down, young man. You know, like you're getting excited. But the thing that's exciting Holden is the opportunity to expand the information that they can get. Um, But Tench actually has more of an emotional reaction to it. Like you're describing, like, why should we give this guy an opportunity to talk and feel better about what he did? You know, like, what are we going to be as confidants? But Holden is like, no, there's so much we could learn from him. I'm not, I don't want to like exploit and like write a book about this, which he eventually did anyway, but I want (laughs) to learn about it, you know, and that, that coming so soon in episode two, it catches you off guard because they're just like on a trip again, you know, they're traveling now. And then he just kind of starts talking about it and it doesn't take too long for them to get to their get to another um another cop station and they they meet up with um a cop uh Holden is still on this uh obsession of uh Manson and they meet this cop in San Francisco who we never really find out his name, but he ends up being one of the most interesting little characters because he's totally <laughs> as into the serial killers as Holden is. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's great because, you know, while Bill's doing his teaching, they're totally in yeah. conversation. And then you can see there was one one of the uh, featured extras was is like looking at them and stuff, and it was really well done there. And just a little conversation back and forth. And then of course they bring up the co-ed killer, Ed Kemper, which man, this guy steals the show, doesn't he? <laughs> oh, this, and this is when we really, this is when mine Hunter really kicks in, right? Yeah. Um, I think the pilot does an amazing job of setting the tone for what we're going to watch. But this second episode is actually more of as in many series, more of the format that we're going to follow for the rest of this season and potentially, though we haven't seen it yet, season two. Um, And that is Holden becoming pretty obsessed with interviewing these killers and getting 
getting more and more information. And Ed Kemper, yes, this cop says, hey, you know, I do know somebody who knows was involved with Ed Kemper might be able to get you in. And this is a guy that Holden knows about, the co-ed killer. Um, And it's just really kind of fun the way it just happens by Holden just wanting to talk to anybody about this, you know, and just striking up a conversation with this guy. Detective Molina. Detective Molina. I wish they would have brought him in and, and had them work with them because he seemed just as open to what was going on um, as Holden did. And that is, and when, when Tench is given the idea to do this, he goes along with it. Yeah. Yeah. Which surprised me at first. Yeah. It's almost, yeah. Cause I I thought we were going to get like the whole anti, Oh, don't, you know, don't do it. You know? And yeah, he's going to play golf and he doesn't want to go in there, but yet, he probably senses this possibly could be beneficial. He's probably yeah. like, let's let's let the kid do it and see what happens. Um, but but I love the line. It's uh, was it easier to get forgiveness than to get permission? Is that the yes. line? Yeah, um, yeah. Because they're doing this without at this point. Shepard and the rest of the FBI do not know they're even visiting Kemper. Right. Well, I should say that Holden is visiting Kemper because you're right. Even though Tench goes along and lets him do it and drops him off and all that and agrees not to tell anyone, um, he does not go in for the interview. No. He does not uh, the first one, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Mr. Kemper, who Uh first off, total kudos to the actor. This guy is absolutely amazing. Um, do you know the actor's name solo? You got the IMDB up, I think. Yeah. Uh, I want to say Cameron Britton, but let me, um, Oh, I think you're right. Yes. Yeah. Cameron Britton. You are correct. Yep. Cameron Britton. Um, He is just fantastic. And Kemper, really lucky for Holden. He found, and it's part of the reason why they go to him because the police officer does say, Oh, he'll, you know, he, he'll want to talk to you. Take a little break to remind you of our presenting sponsor cufflinks.com. You know, sometimes I just go over to cufflinks.com. I look at their awesome products and I say to myself, how lucky I am to have this amazing sponsor. They've got the coolest stuff over there, man. I just got, you know what they sent me and I'm going to be giving these away some popcorn cufflinks. Listen to all our podcasts at dvrpodcast.com to find out how, but they've got awesome stuff over there. So go to cufflinks.com slash DVR and use code DVR20. They've got socks, ties, cufflinks, money clips, tie clips, so much cool stuff, uh, even like pocket squares, just any way to kind of make you look good. Those little touches always help. Always don't forget the little details, baby, because cufflinks.com's got them for you. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Use code DVR20 and save 20% off your order. No minimum. Kemper is the perfect first interview subject because he's not only a talkative guy and kind of 
cordial in a sense. He, he, he relates to, he can at least relate to other people and talk to other men, but he's honest about the fact that he killed these women. And yeah. that is something important too, that we don't think about because I know coming in, it's a, I want to talk to you a little bit about before this, he started talking to Kemper. I we've seen so many serial killer killer interviews, you know, going back, of course, the most famous silence of the lambs. Um, but it's become a genre now in film and TV. And I think the way in which they handle this was kind of surprising to me. It was very dry, right? They, he really just starts talking to him. Um, I, I felt that they trusted the actors and as an actor yourself, I, I, I wonder if you saw this where it just seemed like they really just kind of let this play out and let them feel their way through it. And I wouldn't have been surprised to find out that there was allowed a fair bit of um, improvisation to happen at certain times during the conversation. Yeah. I, I mean, um, sometimes when you have something, uh, a scene like this, that's just so, I don't want to say dense, but it's very, there's only a way this scene can really work. You can't, it's not your traditional interview. It's not your traditional interrogation. It, it's a conversation with a young up and coming FBI profiler and, and, and a sicko. Okay. But an intelligent sicko who loves to talk to cops and who loves to just be one of the boys. And it really sets the tone by a few things. One, you know, him, the egg salad thing. Like, he's yes. like, no, I'm not hungry. No, you should try it. No, I'm not hungry. No, I'm telling you. And that, who knows how much improv was added um, just by, yeah, like you said, letting the actors just flow. And maybe you don't have to stick to the script. You stick to the key points. But maybe certain things happened organically that just worked. Because to build this scene, you really need that. It's not just the quick dialogue like we saw, you know, with Debbie and Holden. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. you, it, 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 that's, that's, that, this isn't the place for it. And it, you need the slow build. Because you're like, at any time, Ed Kemper could snap his neck. Anytime. Anytime he could just do it if he wanted to. Yeah, that physical, that physicalness is present. And then at that point at which he like, the little points that he touches him. Yes. Oh, around and his then neck. When he, and, oh. Yes. And then he does the neck thing. Like he kind of moves up to doing that. Um, it's great. And you're right. The way he establishes dominance kind of by like, Hey, I'm in, you're in my place. You know, the egg salad here is great. Yeah. Okay. So okay. I'll great. have a tuna. I'll, I'll take a tuna yeah. then. No, egg salad's what we're getting, <laughs> you know, and, and it just, and you're wondering too, is Ed being truthful? Cause you know, when Bill picks him up and he start, he's like, oh, he's just playing to what you want to hear. Um, yes. But I think Ed is fascinated, and this is something I want to talk, um, mention in the book, that, you know, him take, uh, Holden taking notes, and he's like, what are you writing? You know, and it's almost like, oh, wow, you're really not just, you know. But in the book, 
John Douglas talks about how he didn't want to distract them with writing, that he memorized their case file and their notes and, and the interview. Um, I'm, I'm not, I believe they recorded them. I'm, I'm not sure. I didn't, I don't remember it. I'm saying it, but they probably did, but he wasn't scribbling notes. Um, because oh, he didn't want yeah, he didn't want to make, he, he felt that criminals will talk more if you're not there just writing, if you're listening and being yes. kind of like what we see here with this conversation is exactly what John Douglas did is just make them almost like you're their friend and that you're there. Yeah. And, and, and so, uh, it really adds that scene. But I, so, you know, after, you know, reading the book a little bit and I'm like, wow, he's still writing notes. I thought maybe in the series he'd stop writing notes, but he, he continued to do that. Um, but it, it just, man, the interaction. It, it, and then you can tell when Ed gets uncomfortable, he pauses and takes a minute. It's almost like you can tell when he's a nerve is hit. Um, and yeah. it's just, it's just, it's just, and, and the fact that like Holden's reaction because uh, both interviews are in this episode, correct, Axel? Yes. Okay. Okay. So um, it might overlap a little bit because he's a little more tense. And, well, Ed even asked him, why are you so tense? I'm not tense. You know? And then when he goes back to interview him the second time, he's slouched over. He's more, And that's when he kind of gets more of the information about his mother and the killings. But Ed Kemper is just like a regular guy speaking. I mean, a little weird, but he doesn't seem like this serial killer at first until, you know, when you start meeting other serial killers, you're like, wow, what a difference. And then, you know, as later episodes go on, we can, um, you know, compare him. But it's just, it's amazing how this guy could be so psycho, chop off heads and have intercourse with dead corpses, but seem like he's just very intelligent. He's not just this He's not just born crazy. It's, you know, we find out it's, a, you know, it looks like it could be the whole, it's the whole mother thing and how he was treated. Yeah, there's, there, um, Holden again is able to look past the taboo subjects and, I mean, the, the, the viciousness of even the way that Kemper acts towards women and he engages him on that level, which is disturbing in many ways, right? Mm -hmm. When he's the way he talks, especially the way he talks about women. Um, but like when I was describing, when we were talking about episode one, where when they asked the original, you know, the actual person, did you care that things were changed? No, it's for dramatic purposes. He flows right into it because for him he knows that the only reason he is there is to get information from Kemper so whatever way he uses to get that information he's comfortable with doing it but there are side effects from that right yeah. and you can see the way that the first two times he interview he interviews Kemper once then there's a break he talks to Tench about it. Tench expresses his um, his kind of reservations that Holden might be giving them attention, might be getting too close. When Holden says, I'm trying to figure out his of war, you know, his work. 
And yeah. he says, who the fuck is he? Stanley Kubrick? <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> right? knew you'd like, like that. He's like, you know, and, but he is, right? Because he is studying him um, discompassionately as this is his work. He's an artist of murder, right? Yeah. And to get into and understand it. And then it's also Debbie. He has a conversation with Debbie where Debbie says, play into that, you know, use that. Talk to him. If he speaks badly about women, speak badly about women, get in, become a character. And, and basically she's saying, I use my feminine wiles to get things in life. You do the same with him. Use whatever you can to get the information you can get. But also Debbie is a very um, kind of automaton like per- she's very, you know, straight up, even though she has a depth to her, she, she kind of presents um, as almost robotic, you yeah. know, yeah. and like much like Holden. So I think neither of them quite understand the risk that they're taking by doing this. But Tench, who's been in the business longer, he doesn't know. How, I think that Tench doesn't know how to express himself to Holden to say, don't get too close. You could lose yourself mm-hmm. because in order to do that, he has to acknowledge to another man that they have emotions. Right. Right. And you know, it's, and that's very difficult for him. Yeah. Cause even, you know, Bill is very just, you know, he's the, like I say the jaded old vet, but in a sense, he's like, listen, these guys aren't, they're going to play to what you want to hear. Don't believe them. And then it's yep. funny when Bill goes, um, with finally with Holden to the interview, he's very judgmental and very like calling very Kemper. Yep. Like on every move, where um, Holden has gotten information because with Debbie's guidance was able to play in like a friend and, and play into what he's doing. Where Bill's just like, "All right, you're a lion sack of crap." What you know, and he's very short with them. So I was at that point, I'm wondering, oh, is how is Ed gonna change? Is Ed gonna just you know adapt to that? And and so that was an interesting dynamic having Bill in there, and he was just he's just sitting there, you know. And just ready to like, all right, you're full of shit, buddy. You're a scumbag killer. But yeah, you know, so that that was interesting to have him in there uh, to see that. Because I think that Bill can't help but see it as an interrogation. Right. You know, he still sees the dynamic as being criminal and cop, whereas Holden sees the dynamic as almost being... I mean, the dynamic should be researcher subject, but in order to get more out of Kemper, Holden is taking a student teacher relationship as though he is learning from Kemper. And that brings up inside of Bill. Bill is such a, you know, we said we talk a little bit. We should talk a little bit about Bill because he's such an interesting guy 
Bill is seems progressive because he's been involved in this a while. He wants to learn. He has a thirst to understand and to form new ideas about what's going on. But he still has his limits and his limits uh, really are within himself. He doesn't ever he doesn't turn the lens that he turns on criminals onto himself. Right. He never he he doesn't analyze himself in the same way that he seeks to analyze those who are criminals because he sees that form of uh, analyzation only open to those who are somehow broken. Right. Right. Or right. And he doesn't can't see himself that way. So it prevents him from opening up in within himself but Holden is like has such a youthful and a thirst and vigor that it's almost like he can't contain him and he just kind of gets swept along on the journey, you know? Mm-hmm. But when he has the opportunity, like in the interview with Kemper, he will express that he doesn't have any time for him. He has a, you know, he, he wants to, he basically thinks that there's no other way to treat a person like this than to be the punishment to them. You know, like he killed people. I can't, if I'm anything but bad to him, I'm somehow congratulating him for the way he acted. Right. Right. And, 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 and that's where the, the dynamic is between Bill and Holden. It's like, they're trying to get information, but, you know, they're going opposite ways, but yet they, you know, like Bill doesn't want to hear it, but he knows it's useful. Like when he starts talking about how his mother treated him and how yes. he was pretty much nothing and that, that's what started this whole, um, you know, at, at a young age. And again, as they were talking about Charlie Manson in episode one and how everyone's like born this way, born this way. Well, I mean, you hate to, to have to empathize with someone who murdered innocent people. But the, the research part and, and the analytical part is, well, this could have been that trigger or stressor as they, you know, stressor, stressor yes. not a trigger stressor that maybe caused this behavior. And, and when you think about it, when you're young and you're, you're, you're learning and you're growing and your mind's developing, if you got some major trauma, uh, like your mother treating you like like a dog, you know, keeping you in a basement and locking you up there because she's afraid that you're gonna, you know, hurt your sister or something like. You know, it's just like the 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 mentality of a young kid going through that. I mean, it doesn't justify what he did, but it's it it's they have to they're getting this information and realizing this information for the first time, and it's great to see how Bill handles it and how Holden handles it. You know, yeah, and it's just how it's just it's remarkable, and it's just man. In, in this episode, Axel, like you said, we you know you're thinking it's okay. It's the birth of you know criminal profiling, the birth of finding out what a sequence, maybe serial killer is, and they're going to be going on this road school and doing investigations. But adding these interviews just made this series that much more. I mean, it's you know. It's, it's based off true events, but it just adds like, oh my God, not only are they going to 
help out people with investigating, but they're also going to interview these serial killers. It's just, it, it just added so much. And it really, within the, you know, the first two episodes of this series, we see where this is potentially going. And it's just so intriguing. Oh, definitely. And the difference in the way you're right, that uh, tension, hold and react to it. Every time Kemper mentions things, you know, his mother wanted him to be a girl, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That he, that he, she treated him like a monster before he even did anything. You can see Tench getting nervous and angry. Oh, okay. You're already trying to blame it on your mom. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and and Holden is interested. Okay, this is interesting because as we do find uh, an aspect, that was a good wait. That was it, a good Holden right there. Interesting. Interesting. We find out later that and uh, something that's said, which is not a spoiler, but it's interesting to look at at this point too, is. It's not only what Kemper says, it's what he doesn't say. It's how he frames it, right? Mm -hmm. They're not just, Tench is looking still as though it's an interrogation in which they are to take the information he says as either valid or not valid. Whereas Holden is looking at his no, it's just information. And we have to take each piece and look at it from every angle. If yeah. it's not if it's not valid, why did he create that lie? Why didn't he lie in a different way? Why did he I- expand on this but not even mention that? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the totality um, that Holden is looking at. And Tench, you can see right away they're gripped with that. But they're also a positive thing is they are working through it, right? Right. They talk to each other about it in the car. They they clash during the interview and they still push forward and push ahead because they're making mistakes, but that's okay. That's part of their process. And yeah. that's what I think is cool about this show too is that it's not like they make a mistake and then they have to throw in some B-plot where everybody gives up. No, they kind of push through. Um. And they push through to the point that by the end of the episode, um, Tench is uncomfortable with what's going on. He tells Shepard about them visiting Kemper and also about the other cases, because we'll talk about that at the end. There's another case that comes up in this episode. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, Shepard opens himself up to it. He's more... He Shepard is more to me like an older Holden than an older Tench. Oh, interesting. He 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 realizes the system he's in, but he's open to them because in the end, not only does Shepard not reprimand them, but he kind of, well, he a little bit reprimands them because they're kind of promising FBI assistance in cases and they weren't supposed to do that. But it's Tench who says, how can we get ahead of crazy if we don't know how crazy thinks? Oh, and yeah. that, that in effect is what Holden was saying. Yeah. So there, oh, Tench always has this ability to even though he begrudgingly, he's that old school guy, he's still at the heart of him 
they are very similar people in that they do want to try to get to the bottom of this. For Holden, it's scientific. For Tench, I think it's actually more emotional that he really wants to help people. Yeah. No, I agree. And, you know, and, it, she- and it's cool. Yeah, it's just it, – it, yeah, because Shepard, it's like he has to put – it's almost like he has to put up this tough facade – Yes. But at the same time, and follow the rule. But at the same time, he's letting things. He's he's not just saying, "Hey guys, you're doing great work. Whatever you need, yeah, go interview people." He's got to be like, "What are you are you kidding me?" But then they get by, no problem. You know, <laughs> like he's yeah. like, it's almost like they're doing what he wants them to do, but he can't express it or he can't come out and say it um, to cover his own ass or whatever it is. But <laughs> it's just. But it just, he shepherds them along in his way. Yes. That is just like Jack Shepard from yes, Lost, just right? Like he shepherds them along. He sure does. And and he ends up kind of joining their conspiracy in the end, right? Like, he agrees that they can continue to work some cases, interview people, and teach. So they're getting everything they want. But no one can know, no one else in the FBI, this is their own little kind of off-book project that they're doing here. And they're going to relocate to the basement. They're allowed to use 10 hours of their 40-hour work week and any overtime that they want towards towards this kind of, they don't call it a study yet. They just call it your kind of separate investigation. Right, right. You know? Um, and Shepard has full control. And then we end the episode of them moving into this basement office where it's so funny where <laughs> Holden carries his his cardboard box the whole time. But Tench gets in, realizes it's going to be a while, puts it on the ground. <laughs> yes. That's great. Then he bends down and picks it up. And it just shows how like there's they 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 work so well together because it's like you think oh holden's a smart one he would figure out methodically it's more it's economical to put it on the ground and then pick it up but tench is more aware yes right like he can move with what's happening and that's why he is great in these interviews cuz he's got that experience and he it's like he's like michael jordan he's always in the zone he kind of knows the room but mm-hmm. he knows that by learning from Holden in a way. Yeah, he he's it, in it, these it, situations. It's, yeah, it's great because you know when you look at the Bill Tench character, you know, very manly. Seems like he's got the old school. He's you know, he almost feels like I'm ready to say I got two weeks to retirement, and you know, I don't yeah. need this crap. <laughs> but he's one a lot last job. Yeah, one last job. He's <laughs> he's a hell of a lot smarter. Yeah. Then perceived at first, he's also taking stuff from Holden, using, like you said, using his experience, and he's he knows the game. He knows Holden is so focused on what he needs to do and not the politics of everything. Holden, I mean, he sees it, but he's a lot, hell of a lot smarter than you would think from like like a rugged New York guy, you know, you know, almost looks like a jock or something. You know, you know what I mean? And, but he's lights got out smart. Leary, lights out Leary, baby. <laughs> um, yeah, what but yeah, casting too, oh. because Holt is just amazing. 
And he, ne- you know, you're right, Heath, because he could be that stereotype, right? But he's mm-hmm. not. And just like Holden could be. And that's why this show is so amazing because it plays on, that's the central idea of the show, which is that if you think a serial killer is a stereotype, you're wrong. Each, each person acts in an individual way and has their own cues and is worth investigating and looking into for the, for the education and the, uh, the information that you can get from it. And we see that in our characters too. Neither of them are what they appear to be. And they also act as something that we talk about a lot in TV and film, which is that it's good for characters to act against their character. You know, Mm -hmm. when people say, oh, they're not true to the character. They did that for the plot or blah, blah, blah. Well, think about your own life. Like Tench, like Holden, oftentimes people will say one thing and act another way. Right. Or they'll change and not tell you they're changing. They'll act differently. And that's something that Tench does because you don't expect him to be the one to convince Shepard. You expect Holden to do that. But Tench, that's what he does. And he steps up and does it. And then you're like, wow, this is like a fully dimensional character. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just amazing writing. And once again, we haven't talked too much about it, but the directing in this episode is just, I mean, off the charts, everything from the sound, the interviews are shot so straight up um, efficiently. And creepily as well. I mean, it's just full of great shots. And I love how when they're in the car, it's always in profile. He never like shoots from the back of the car, from the front. It's always like this kind of, that's only when they're outside, when they're inside the car, he's always getting profiles of them. Um, One last thing I want to mention was the new case that they pick up. Yes. This is a little, this is a weird one Mm -hmm. that, begins something too that we should look out for which is that they're not it's not just serial killers right it's it's people who it's like that's they call it sequence killer later to be serial but it's really just interest i don't know how other way to say interesting killings but yeah. their approach <laughs> where it just seems different you know, like something's just a little off. And in this one, it's just, it's really, it's not like Kemper with like co-ed killer and all that. It's just a lady who was beaten up, but not killed, but her dog was killed. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's just like, the, oh, go ahead. Could, no, no, I'm, just, I'm sorry. I'm just saying like, you don't know, is this a start of a sequence killing? Yeah. Is this just the one-off? Um, you, you, you know, and they start to profile it, right? So, right, they think it's like a seven, like a teenager, early twenties, possibly, um, and they start profiling, and you see their dialogue start to banter. That's the yes. beginning of them kind of. This is where this is the point during this case where Holden and Bill start, I think, to really start to boom, be up, be uh the partners that have been working together for a while, like they have different, different things going on. They think different ways, but boom, 
when they get into the profiling thing, it's like they're, they're in sync. And it starts to like, oh my God, these guys are starting to become what I think. And it's just very yeah. interesting. Yeah, this scene at the diner where Holden just kind of lays it out, right? Like he's saying like he comes across a house. He doesn't recognize it. He's been having a little bit to drink. Like you're yeah, right, that yeah. profiling type of playing it out and just talking it out. And then Tench gets involved. The cops gets in, cop gets involved. And this cop is a little more open than the other cop we met, right? The first mm-hmm. cop we met. So that has to do with it too is Tench always has to intervene and teach Holden how to talk to the cops. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Right? Like, Holden teaches him how to talk to the serial killers, and Tench teaches Holden how to talk to people who are normal. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Because he doesn't know how to do it. Because he talks to them like a killer. And they they end up getting caught. They're either afraid of Holden, or they call him Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. (laughs) You know, they're like in awe of him. But this particular um, cop, who I don't know the actor's name, but he's a great character actor. He's been in a ton of stuff. He's like guaranteed when he steps on the screen, he's going to be that character. Um, they He really kind of engages them in it. And it's not as dramatic as the first one where like we have to figure out what happened, you know. This is much more – this is kind of – I think you guys might be interested in this. This is weird. Yeah. Now, is he the one I, when he's smoking a cigarette and he's coming over? Or, or, or my when they go, oh, here he comes, here he comes. Yep, he's looking at us. Is that, no, is no, that, that, was in the, that was in the first episode. Oh, that was in that the first was in episode. The fir- yeah, yeah. Yeah, this, this, guy, this guy is much more calm, collected. And this scene doesn't last very long. But I think what it introduces is the concept of that kind of precog thing, right? right? Where they're getting the idea, as you said, that this is not a killing. This is a dog mutilation and a strange attack. But it fits the profile of someone who is mentally disturbed in a way that these other cases seem to fit that same kind of profile. So they're now entering something new, which is different stages of the killer. They, they, you know, Holden is interested not only in the, in, the, in the guy who's been doing it for years, but perhaps the person who hasn't yet worked up the nerve to make their first kill. Mm. And that is, that is going to lead us down a road in more episodes where they're coming to more conflict about the idea of stopping someone before they kill in this manner based upon them having a similar backstory, not based upon their actual actions or something they've done already, which is a question of law too, right? Which I think is what makes Tench interested in this case, but also a little bit more wary than he was as far as it getting involved in a case where a small child and woman were brutally murdered. Right, right. Man. Well, that was a great episode, man. Yeah. Um, we're, we're moving along. We end this, like I said, where they're, they're moving into their new basement office. They've went from 
a, a little a, a secret a conspiracy of two to now Shepard is a part of it. Um, and their ideas are taking hold and Holden really is go from a guy who we met in the first scene that was like a tragedy to him. He certainly is flourishing right now with Tench. 100%. Wonderful. <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Are you? My, yeah. my mind was hunted real quick. <laughs> I, I don't know what the heck. I, you know, no, I, I start listening to you and then I start thinking about these cases and stuff. And I'm just like, I'm doing my own profiling and I'm, I, I, forget, I, know, dude. I, I did an A hustler. I just like vanished for like five seconds. I'm invisible. Up, solo. I'm invisible. Do you see no, me? It, re- it, <laughs> it does get you. It really is amazing stuff. And um, that's what's so great about this show is it's called Mind Hunter. And it's such an intellectual, you know, you're hunting your own mind and hunting their minds. And you really do get caught up in it. I find when I was watching these and preparing for this, um, I, it really takes me like three hours to watch like one episode because I, <laughs> I stop, I rewind, I watch it again. Like the scenes are so, there's just little ticks directed so well. I'm looking forward to covering the rest of it, baby. Me too, baby. I'm excited. Mine Hunter, man. Ooh. All right. Well, that season, that is episode two of season one of mine Hunter. We will be back. With episode three, they've moved into a shitty new office in the basement and things are about to get hopping. Check us out at DVRpodcast.com. Email us, DVRpodcast at gmail.com. And hey, become a patron. We're releasing tons of old Lost Mythos and Lost Revisited and film lists. And on, even we might even release some Podtourage on the Patreon. You get tons of exclusive pod. Heath is doing new film lists. I heard you might be recording one soon, Solo. Yes, I am. I will have my next five films, my top 500 coming out very soon. Very soon. Very probably soon. end of the week or next week. Well, when you hear this, you, it probably will already drop. But yes, I've been working on that list night and day, baby. Especially on long plane rides to Europe. I was, oh, man. I was editing it, going crazy. So got some good stuff ahead That's of awesome. us. That's awesome. So check that out at DVRpodcast.com and Patreon.com slash DVR. We'll be back hunting some more mines with Holden and Tench on Mind Hunter, baby. Yes. How can we get ahead of crazy if we don't know how crazy thinks? <laughs> <laughs>